and you know you have primary school here you have secondary school here and you have young children who have absentee fathers there's a problem in this country quite a large number of fathers are not in their homes maybe they even send money so they're supportive from a distance mine wasn't doing so and they have to get by and sometimes you're not it's not the amount of money you can use to assist him to eat lunch these are the concepts that will take him through life understanding that he must be proactive or she must be proactive about her life and you can't leave it to somebody else otherwise they do become victims victim language leads to victims and you know you you hope and you pray for the best for these students of yours and you don't want to hear that the stories went wrong but these tools will equip them for the difficulties that are ahead now um the last highly effective are there any comments here i just i don't want to just go forward okay so the last highly effective practice we've been through two already pause and respond based on desired results sorry um, on principles and desired results the second one is they use proactive language proactive people and then the final one is that they focus on the circle of circle of of influence and to say it even more deeply they ignore their circle of of concern can anybody tell me what the difference between those two is i need hands thank you the cycle of concern here is it actually relates to situations that we can't change sometimes there may be past situations like a child failing an exam and it's just there on that circle of concern being worried about the failure but there's nothing positive to be done about that or you have an issue that is troubling your mind maybe in the home or anything you're just there worried you're not adding your worries cannot add no reduce you're just there worried then the circle of influence here is the one that you have seen the situation of the past and right now you don't want your current anymore and you are acting proactively to see how you can stop that thing that happened that was not positive to your life so your influence right now is your ability to create steps strategies to get a positive result in the future to end the negative result thank you very much thank you very much madam now the interesting thing about her answer is that it is far broader than the content you know it's far broader than the content and that this is the benefit you can have when you interact like this and i, I could recommend that maybe during your staff meetings you can you can take some some five minutes ten minutes to do like seven habits brainstorming one of the things you will find in your app is that your app will push up some kind of just a small tidbit it gives you every day so if you look into the app and you find something you can spend five minutes discussing it and just deepen your learning of the seven habits so with this we've come to like the conclusion of habit one these are the three highly effective practices under habit one these are the tools you can use to transition to being a more proactive person i will say about the circle of concern which is a much simpler you know response than the one you gave is that there are things that are within your you know, your life that you can be concerned about but you can't do anything about earlier on we were talking about nigerian politicians circle of concern 
However, in an election year, Nigerian politicians transition from your circle of concern and become, they become your circle of influence because you can vote. And if you vote very explicitly, that number can count. Sometimes if there's 60 and there's 32 and 28, it may not count. If there's 60 and there's 59 and one, ah, it has to count. It has to count. So you, you can, and this is the thing about being a proactive person. Proactive people focus on their circle of influence and they ignore their circle of concern. And as a result, their circle of concern diminishes and their circle of influence increases. NEPA or the power company is within your circle of thank you very much but it isn't within your circle of influence now if you are proactive you won't spend too much time worrying about what they do because you can't affect it but what you may do as a proactive person instead of being a victim they did this using victim language you can be proactive there must be something we can do about it you can install solar panels on the roof of the college. You can buy another diesel generator. You can get some batteries and have an inverter system in. So when they do what they do, you don't have to feel the way. So stimulus does not produce that response. There's the freedom that you have chosen. Because you know how it is that you're sitting down in your house and that power goes and even your mood drops. Do you understand? I mean, it's a, it's a human experience we all have. But if you go and buy that inverter, small one, buy this battery that doesn't cost very much. I did it when I first married my wife. Small truck battery. And an inverter that was 20 something thousand. I heard that it's like 50,000. But still a small inverter. But the light never went off. The fan never stopped turning. She could watch the TV. She could charge her mobile phone. When my sister's husband lost the father, we'd been married almost 10 years. We drove to Akure, stayed in the house because we were attending the funeral. In the night, they put off the generator. My wife turned and looked at me said, my husband, you have spoiled me. She said, since I married you, this is the first time I'm sleeping in a dark room. And I wasn't a rich man. Just proactive. Just proactive. But she looked at me and she acknowledged, oh, you have spot me. I don't even feel comfortable sleeping in darkness anymore. And it's not that she didn't grow up in this same city with everybody. But just that small battery and the inverter. So that's the transition from, you know, your circle of concern to your circle of influence. You know, and how it makes a difference. So this exercise on page 27, I'd like you to look at it in your own time and do it. Because I would like to go on to habit two. The last thing I want us to do, yes, of course we already know this, the circle of concern is reactive and the circle of influence is proactive. Yes. Last thing I want us to do is I want us to open the app on our phones. So if you haven't used the app up until now, I'd like you to use it and you're going to use it after each habit. Um, open the app on the phone. Remember I said one person on each table has to have the app. And whoever has the app, please make it available to somebody else every time we're doing this segment. So maybe you can use it this first time. But if, if there's not, if the app isn't with everybody on the table, make sure you hand it over. 
So based on that app, I'd like you to teach at your tables for one minute. What I want you to do is just look at habit one and then teach somebody something from habit one. The app only helps you to have an idea of what habit one says. Don't look at the habit one principles. Look at the summary card. The summary card has a summary of everything that habit one has to offer. So you click your menu, go to the seven habit cards, and then look for the card for habit one. Then use that to teach at your table. I want you to get familiar with the use of the app. This is a one minute exercise. So go to the habit, oh, okay, is that the habit card? Press rotate. Okay, go back. Is that, is that the summary card? But that's not for habit one, that's for habit one. Yes, then rotate. So front and back. So just pick and then kind of discuss with the table something from the habit. And then show them the app so that they know how to use it. So I'd like to see the app on this table. No, somebody here should have it already. Isn't this one? Okay. Okay, okay, so go to the No, go back. That was the app. That's the right Yeah, you already have it. Menu. Top left. Settings? Settings. There should be settings somewhere there. Um, what do they call it? Um, have you put in session ID? Session ID. Session ID. Click it. Habits 89. Habits lowercase 89. If you put in the session habit, the session ID, then you'll now have the functionality of the app. Yes. Then now go back to the menu and look for the seven habit cards. You understand? So you hadn't act you hadn't activated the app. That's why it's not working. Let me finish here. What? No, ask her. She'll tell you how she downloaded it. No, you haven't. That's not the app. It will be an app on your phone. You can ask her. She'll show you. Please, could you put in the phone? Yeah. No, go back to your menu. This is good. You're already in the right. Yes. Now, no, go back to your menu. Uh, yes, summary cards. So, two, habit one. Yes, those are the summary cards. But you want this one for habit one. Click the rotation front and back. Now, base, this is the summary of everything we've talked about in Habit 1. Discuss it with the table. Please all look at the app and get a sense of how it works. We'll keep using it. So, are we using it here? That's why I was talking on the microphone. Listen if I'm speaking. Go to your settings. Yes, then put in the session ID. I said so at the beginning of the day. Without the session ID, the app isn't optimized. Habits 89. Once you do that, you will see the cards. Look for the card for habit 1. And then you can use that. Without the session ID, it's not going to work. And we gave you the session ID. It's habits 89. Try it again. It might be an internet-related thing. Yeah, go back. You do, um, go back to the main menu.
So this is the download ID. Whose email is this? Mm -hmm. What did you put here? What's this? What's this? And what's this other one? Session ID. Yeah, so just add the session ID. That's the most important thing. Okay. What will I do? Habits 89. Yes. Please go around. There's a lot of tables where they don't have it. Just go from table to table. So where have we not covered? Okay. So by now we should all have the habit cards open to habit one and then just discuss and pass the app around so that everybody knows how it works. So even if they haven't downloaded it now, they can do so at a later time. It's important that we have the app. I keep saying session ID. Go to settings. I say it on the microphone so if you hear it, you can do it. Go to settings, put in the session ID. It's habit 89. Without the habits, yes, once you do that, it unlocks the other functionalities. Habits 89, it's all lowercase. There's no space in between. Yes, yeah, so if you are putting a space in between, yeah, you might get a feel. Yes, habits and then just 89. Habits, habits, habits with an S. Yes, and no space in between. Yeah, so if you spell it wrongly, you get that saved exactly. So you now find what you're looking for. What? Yeah, because you haven't put it in. Go to settings, add session ID, type habits 89, habits with an S, then 89, habits. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. 1B. Yes, 1B. 89. Yes. So anytime you get an error, it's because you are misspelling something. It's been saved. So just press OK. And then you can now find, go back to the menu and find the habit cards. So by now we should have finished our teach to learn and we're going to go on to habit two. If for any reason you have any issues with your app, I encourage you to ask somebody else on the table when we take our next teach to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Can we please take a look at the projection? Habit two. Like I said, you can continue this when we have our second teach to learn at the end of habit two. And then we can finish that up. Habit two is, habit two is, I can't hear everybody with the end in mind and it is the habit of no it's here it's, it's just below it's the habit of personal vision do you remember what habit one is habit one is be proactive and habit one is the habit of 
of personal responsibility. Habit two, however, is the habit of personal vision. Like I said, with every habit, the first thing we'll do is we'll look at the principles of effectiveness. The principles of effectiveness attached to habit two are vision, commitment, and purpose. And now, what's the common paradigm? So once again, I can't predict how my life will turn out. So I, I like the way you're acting it out. I just, I just go with the flow. <laughs> so remember, can you see how this is connected to reactivity? Yes. I, I, I can't predict how my life will turn out, so I just, I just go with the flow. So once you start to become a proactive person, it even affects habit too. So once you start being proactive, then you start to ask yourself, beyond how I react, in circumstances where am i going so it's the habit of not just taking responsibility for where you are it's about personal vision you know so the common paradigm which you may recognize already is that i can't predict how my life will turn out so i just go with the flow now you can even you can even apply this common paradigm to situations in like your family let me not start with the school this time Because you, you, you could say to yourselves that because we don't know where we're going, so we just go with the flow. Because just like this is the habit of personal vision, if you have a personal vision, it flows into your family. And that doesn't mean that you have to be the family head. If you are any part of the family, your personal vision flows into the family. And then let's come back to school as well. If you don't have things like this to guide you, yes, educating children to stand out, and make a godly difference in every generation. If you don't tie that into what you are doing in the class every day, then you're not predicting how things are going to turn out. You're just going with the flow. Because there has to be a buy-in. If this is the vision of the school, some part of that has to be your own personal vision. As a teacher, at least for this season of your life, now, what's the highly effective paradigm for habit two? Clearly defining my vision and purpose in life will make all the difference. Habit two is the habit of personal vision. It doesn't have with, with habit one, we, we discussed three different tools, you know, highly effective practices. But with habit two, there's only two. The common practice will be one. You start without an idea of what you want to achieve. The second one. You let, because you're just going with the flow. You let others' agendas define how you live your life. Both your personal life, your professional life, your family life. But the highly effective practices would be that in contrast to those common practices. Number one, define outcome before you act. Number two, that's it. 
define outcomes before you act. Number two, create and live by a personal mission statement. So we're going to look at the highly effective practices and those are the tools for you taking, for you having the habit of personal vision, which is habit two, to begin with the end in mind. And that's why when we were starting this workshop today, we discussed what our end in mind was. Today's end in mind. You know. Um, now remember the first one is define outcomes before you act. We're looking at two highly effective practices and then we're done with habit two. Because we've laid a foundation in terms of our principles and paradigms of effectiveness, we're going to be able to go quite quickly through the habits. So you'll notice that I, I can actually get faster as we go along. Um, and that's not because there isn't information, it's because you already have a grasp and a good foundation for it. So the highly effective practice number one is define outcomes before you act. Now can somebody, you know, describe what they see on the board for me? What does the graphic say to you? No, I'm waiting for somebody. Okay, my dad. Um, <clears throat> my name is Regina. So the first, um, the first stage is not clearly defined yet. And then the second stage is clearly defined and a, a, a clearer and sharper outlook and perspective. Everything starts from the mind. Thank you very much. I like that. Oh, no, Everything starts from the mind. Thank you very much. Sir. I didn't want to steal his comment. He says everything starts from the mind. Can you see how that adds to what you said, Regina? So what's your name, sir? David, yes. Good to hear from you again. Everything starts from the mind. The, 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 the mental picture is not as defined as... That's what you said. According to the book of Genesis, <laughs> one to two, in the beginning, God created heaven and men. And the earth was without that is the beginning. The first one, new creation. And the second one, God said, let there be and that's what? Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. So in that example also, we see the, the concept and then the actualization of the concept. Is there anybody else on this? So what we have said, if I might say so in some of my own words, is that the mental creation precedes the physical creation. Or as David said, it all starts in the mind. And this is true of everything that exists. 
if we use the gentleman's example of Genesis chapter 1, or even if we just look at things as they are, there isn't anything. I could start by looking at this room. This did not just come to be, this color. Somebody thought about it. Somebody decided how the metal should be before it was made. The first chair that ever existed first existed in somebody's head. If I take a couple of supports and put a platform, I can sit down. It may have been a two-legged chair. The fellow didn't get very much. He was like, if I add one more support, this thing will have balance. You know. After a while, they realized that, oh, I keep leaning and nothing is happening if I add a backrest. But it will keep coming up in the mind. The person will see the picture that, oh, if there's something here, it's already there in his head. So, I mean, the picture refines itself and gets clearer. But it starts in the mind and then it continues to a physical creation. Remember we said that you define outcome before you act. And so, first of all, it all starts where... So in terms of defining outcome before, before you act, that starts also in the mind. Now, I'd like us to turn to page 31 of our participants guide. Let me open mine as well. And let's do a few of these exercises, just so we can get, not this one, this one, participants guide. If you're there, it says, yes. So, if you're already in your participants guide, if you could turn back to page 30, okay? So, they're just, you're moving back by one page. You can look at a few of the examples there between the mental and the physical creation. Can you see them? The first one is a clear agenda and objective. And then, you know, the outcome, the second creation is what? A productive meeting. A productive meeting. So with the habit of personal vision, which is to begin with the end in mind, you know, you don't just, you know, go with the flow. You define your outcome before you act. And the second one is a well-researched curriculum for your school will give you an effective learning unit. Now, the last one is interesting. It says a compelling personal mission statement. And the outcome is what? A life of contribution and fulfillment. Because the two highly effective practices here are defined outcome before you act. And the second one is live by a personal mission statement. And we'll get there. So now let's turn to 31. Now in page 31, if you're looking at your participant's guide, you might want to take out your notepad and your pen, and you want to answer the questions. Now, the question simply is, how will you know? And the categories are there. So I'd like to ask you the question, even if you don't have a participant's guide right now, just take your notepad and then answer the question in your participant's guide. How will you know when you have improved your health? Because that could be a goal from you going from here to become highly effective. To become highly effective. 
using the seven habits, how will you know when you've improved your health? What does that look like to you? Can you describe that picture? For some people, it's as simple as a number. So maybe it's a number on the scale. If I can go from this kg to this kg, then I've improved my health. For some other people, it's not so simple. For me, I have several metrics when it comes to my health. So I've got this thing I have on my wrist. I've done 3,000 steps. I'm going for like eight to 10,000. Most days I'm over that. Okay, no, some days not. Most days I'm, I'm at least at that target. Some days I'm quite over that. Now to get there, so for me, that contributes towards my health improvement. Maybe staying at the same weight also contributes. Um, being able to deliver my content without becoming weary. You know, and so there are several things I'll do to get to that. So the question for you, and you want to write this down, is how will I know when I've improved my health? Is it when I can stand and do my teaching all day and this part of my back is not paining me? Is that a target for you? And if it's a real target, then you will, the other questions to ask yourself and answer, what do I have to do to get there? Because you're defining your outcome, then of course, because you already have the tools, you're a very intelligent person, you can start to answer the question, what do I have to do to get there? I stretch. I stretch um, at a studio three times a week for about an hour. Stretching helps the muscles, strengthens the muscles, so that I don't feel you know, weak. So I stretch my muscles. And as you age, you really must stretch your muscles. You, you don't have to do like heavyweight lifting, but you have to do a lot of stretching for elasticity of the joints and the muscles. I walk. And that's why I have a target in terms of, I drink a lot of water because hydration is like a key to So what will you do that will tell you that you've improved your health? How will that look for you? The next one is, how will you know that you've created a team that works well together? So who here is an, an HOD? If you're an HOD, please wave your hand. Head of department, head of department, head of department. So how do you, how do you group teams here? Like, in subject areas, don't you have like teams that work together? Like faculties or departments? Okay, so the word is unit heads. Who here is a unit head? If you're a unit head, please. Okay, there are quite a few of you. So how will you know when you have created a team that works effectively together? How does that look to you? Is it the way they show mutual respect? Is it less arguments and more productive outcomes? Is it the ability to work long hours without you know, losing steam, what is that for you? And then, of course, all of you are family members, and that's a team in itself. So how will you know that you have built a team in terms of your family that works effectively together? Are there arguments that you want? Yes, please. Well, we have less conflicts. Less conflicts. And then more progress. More progress. Yes, so that's something to note down in your notepad. A team that, has a, that works well together. Um, let me see if I can find one more. Yes, I'll do two. The next one is manage the crisis well. So think about crisis. Something that, you know, disturbs, gets in the way. Uh, let me ask, what is a crisis? What, are, what crisis have you maybe experienced as an organization recently? Something that was a crisis. I could imagine something like maybe a student getting injured, a fire outbreak. Yeah, that's a crisis. So what's the picture of having managed that crisis well? 
Did you sit down? What, what picture did you, how did you manage that crisis well? You want to say something about it? Please go ahead. So um, with COVID, for example, we were able to communicate with all stakeholders, um, parents, um, staff, um, and the students' body. And we were able to, we had to identify the affected parties or the affected individuals. Um, we had to isolate them. And in the first instance, we had to comply with the government regulation where we shut down for a period of time and then came back. But in that period, we also kept the lines of communication open with everybody that was involved so that nobody felt um, left out or like um, everybody knew what was going on. Thank you very much. So that's a picture of managing a crisis. Now, you might have like a personal crisis or an idea of a personal crisis. And you want to write down, if you need to, some of the notes from there, um, communicating with all stakeholders, keeping communication lines open, dealing with the problem areas, not allowing the problem to spread to other areas, you know, dealing with your crisis situation. And I'd like you to reflect on the, the penultimate one. The last one is your own situation. But the penultimate one is become the parent you want to be. Now, that's not for everybody. Not everybody in the room is a parent. But I suspect that quite a lot of people in the room are parents. So reflect on the question, how will you know when you've become the parent you want to be? There has to first be mental creation. We first ask, 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 ask us the question, what sort of parent do I want to be? And if it's difficult for you, why not start with what sort of parent don't I want to be? And start to cancel out those behaviors. But you see, it says that you, you must define outcome before you act. And then it says live by personal mission statements. Now your personal mission statement helps to inform where you are going and may help you to decide you know, better what sort of parent you actually want to be. That's my pointer. So having done the exercise, we're going to discuss personal mission statements and then we will be done with habit two. Now, what is a personal mission statement? Anybody please? Clinton, have you got the mic? So I'm not sure who, yes, she's all the way at the end. Oh, he, yes, she's all, yeah. I am Caroline Salami. A personal mission statement is a written constitution by which you make all decisions for your life. Thank you, Caroline. Does anybody in the room have a personal mission statement? Somebody else want to say something? Please go ahead. Oh, there, there isn't somebody. I thought I heard. You do. You have one. No, so yes, it's a statement that, that, that describes your value, but do you have one? Yes. You do? Yes, but it's personal. No, 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 no. Nobody's going to ask you to share it. I just wanted you to relate with it. Um, and it's encouraging to see that you do. Now, here are some of the pointers to having a good mission statement. You might want to look at them. 
and consider if, and if you don't have one now is the time to and i don't mean now like this period in your life i mean like now like this moment is the time to make the first sentence towards your personal mission statement because even though you've got one you are in your 20s yes sorry if i'm being rude i'll just keep it in that bracket now in the next bracket it will change it will develop it will evolve because you'll be more than you are now there might even be more people who are a part of your life your own children that sort of thing and so a personal mission statement involves with you it grows as you grow remember that our exercise today is our key is growth we're talking about growth so the first sentence you write in this room doesn't define your personal mission statement but it starts to give you an idea okay so if you if as we are talking pick a, a space in your jota and think about yourself reflect and say what where, where am i pointing at what matters to me sometimes three words is a good beginning make people proud good beginning fulfill my purpose it's a good start it doesn't have to go so deep or it could be two sentences I want to be a responsible father to my children a loving husband to my wife a productive production um, professional in my educational industry and a decent human being in my community that's not yours but it could be or it could have the seeds of yours but write something write something and think of it as a start and these are the guidelines you want to keep it's based on principles of effectiveness not because we introduce those principles to you because those principles are universal anyway we discussed that early on things like honesty like truth so when i say i want to be a responsible father that's a that's a universal principle everybody understands what it is to take responsibility and by the way i really want to be a responsible father who can guess why because my father wasn't yes because my father wasn't so i can't stand the idea of failing my children i can't and i want to be a loving husband to my wife for the same reason because the experience i saw my mother go through cannot repeat in my lifetime and sometimes bad examples can teach you a good thing because that's what happened in my life in fact not only do i try to parent my children i've been mentoring youth for two decades started in church and i've been mentoring youth for two decades because i already knew where i was lost when i was young so it was easy when i was in church to connect and say oh i think i can help this person through as i've been in my life for years and years and years so just the same way you teach these young people i can identify there's some resonance and it's because of the experiences i had they were not positive but they brought about some very positive results and there's no need for me to see my mistakes translate forward so it is based on principle of effectiveness it clarifies what is most important to you your deepest values of course that takes some exploration so apart from me saying write down a few lines now i'm encouraging you one of the things that we will teach you when we get to habit 7 the habit of renewal is reviewing your personal mission statements on a regular basis it could be on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis just looking at it and asking yourself so am i in line with what it is i have here is there more you know 
if I look at myself, is there more that should be here? Am I missing out some part of what I think I am for in life? Like if you if you function in church, something about that might want to reflect in your mission statement because that's one of your deepest beliefs and values. Um, it provides direction and purpose, and that's very important. To use my example again, if you mentor youth, you find that I don't need to use my example. I'm talking to teachers. If you teach these young people, you'll find that there's sometimes when you are wary. Because you seem to be saying the same thing repeatedly. And some of these young people don't seem to be getting it. And you wonder what you're missing or what you're not saying. And then you go back to your own personal mission statement. And it gives you direction, it gives you purpose, it gives you a sense of inspiration. You remind yourself of what matters to you and where you really are going. So I want to be a good teacher is not the same thing as I want all my students to pass. So if, if I ask you what does it look like to be a good teacher, you want to have communicated to all your students. You want to have gone through your subject material. You want to have done it as clearly as you can. You want to bring up the average. But you have to recognize that not every student is an A-plus student. And that's a real thing. And even let's be fair, when they come out into the working environment, it's not A-plus students that thrive. It isn't. So the student who you help to improve is as valuable in the working environment as the one who gets the highest grades. Because that, that sense of diligence you taught him, that commitment to hard work you taught him, he may only have gone from 62 to about 67, or maybe even from 48 to 59. But the diligence, the hard work, the consistency that you taught him, how to focus on that vision of improving his grades, maybe what makes him a successful entrepreneur. Because you know a lot of them end up hiring these A-plus students when they become entrepreneurs. So you know, you, you, don't, you don't use just one metric to decide, but you do have a vision about where you want to go. It addresses the most important aspects of your life. So obviously, for you to have a good mission statement, you can't leave out things like your family. You can't leave out things like your health. You can't leave out your, your work at the college. If you're somebody who has a faith, you can't leave out your faith. Otherwise, it's not a, it's not a robust mission statement. You know? and, for, and remember, it's your personal, they call it personal mission statement. It has nothing to do with us. I don't want to see it at the end of this exercise. I want you to continue to look at it in the days ahead. And finally, it represents what? The best in you. So it's aspirational. So don't address where you are. You have to have something to aspire to. So if you're here, and, and it doesn't matter what age you are, what income level you're in, you know, what family background you have, it has to be aspirational. Remember, our what word is growth. And I don't even think our word for, word for this workshop or for this content is growth. I think personally, every human being desires to grow. Because learning and growing is really the only panacea to dwindling and, and dying. And we can learn and develop right up until the end of our lives. I hear that people who read continuously, read and engage and have conversations, are highly insulated from things like dementia in old age because they're always exercising the neural pathways. And you know, and teachers are in that category always learning, always developing themselves so that they can deliver to their students.
and then those who become stagnant are a bit more what they call it prone I want to show you this video and with that I'll bring the um, what they call it the habit two segment to an end if you haven't made a note of your personal mission statement I encourage you to do so if you start now don't think it's the finished work but a lot can come from it in your mind's eye, picture your 80th birthday. Picture the faces of your friends and family as they come to wish you well. All these people have come to honor you, to express their feelings, to toast a life well spent. speeches. What would you like the speaker to say about you, your life? What would you like them to say about your character and contributions? What achievements would you want them to remember? What impact would you like to have made in their lives? Thank you so much for always meeting with me and supporting me no matter what I do. Paciência com as minhas travessuras, que hoje this is my beloved husband, whom I have loved for at least 70 years. Even though we've been married 60 years, we met in elementary school. Oh, love at first sight. And so... <laughs> Start living today with that picture of your own annual birthday party clearly in mind. In that picture, you will find your definition of true success. I have found that it is extremely helpful to write down what you truly desire inside a personal mission statement. In that written mission statement, you clarify for yourself what ends you serve, what you want to be, your character, what you want to do with your life, your contributions and achievements. Your mission statement is like a personal constitution. It's the basis for making major life-directing decisions as well as smaller daily choices in the midst of all of the ups and downs of life. Mission statements come in all forms and shapes. It doesn't matter what form it's in, as long as it uniquely expresses you. Some come in the form of a poem or a collage of pictures. Some long, others might be shorter. The mission statement is not something you write overnight. It may take several rewrites. 
but you don't let that stop you. Several years ago, I remember thinking deeply about my own mission statement, one that I had developed many, many years before. I was sitting alone on the beach at the end of a bicycle ride. I took out my mission statement and I really thought about it very, very deeply. It took several hours, but at the end, you can't imagine how I felt such a sense of clarity, such a sense of renewed commitment, and such a sense of exhilaration and freedom. Once again, I knew what my life was all about. Victor Frankl says, we detect rather than invent our missions in life. I like that choice of words, detect rather than invent. You see, defining our mission really requires thinking through our deepest desires, our dreams, our sense of responsibility, our most intimate and satisfying relationships. Our meaning comes from within, from down deep within ourselves. As the poet Mary Oliver asks, doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? So take a moment to think about your mission statement. I'm sure the video has given you a lot to reflect on. If you haven't made a comment, you might want to. Being in this room has made me add a comment or two. Dr. Victor, another person entirely, Dr. Victor Frankl, mentioned in the video, says we don't, he says we detect, you know, rather than invent our mission statements. And I also think that that's quite apt. And by the way, Dr. Viktor Frankl is the author of another very important book. I think just as important as The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's one of the most profound books written on the human being. Dr. Viktor Frankl is he's a survivor of the Nazi Jewish you know, experience. So he was thrown in one of those detention camps and he was tortured, experimented on, and it's a good book. You might want to want to look at it. It's called Man's, Man's Search for Meaning. It's in that book, you know what I was talking earlier about the freedom to choose, the last human freedom. That's also Dr. Frankl, because what happened is, I had already said Dr. Covey's book is something that he distilled from a lot of books that he had read, you know, it's a lot of distilled wisdom. So anyway, I'd like us to make final comments in our mission statement, and I'd like us to do this simple exercise in uh, what they call it, in our own spare time. It's on page 34 of your guide. In your spare time, I'd like you to do that. What you're going to do is, just like in the video, you're going to look at each role that you occupy in your life, and you're going to make a comment in terms of like the tribute you saw. So you're thinking in terms of, I am a, a teacher. What do I want my colleagues to say about me? And then you write, what do I want? So you write down the role, teacher, and then you write down who the important person is. And then you now write down what comment you expect them to, 
Yeah, let me see. Then you do that also for family, if you're in your family, you write down the role, and then you write down who the important person is and what tribute you expect them to give about you. And in your in your personal life, so it could be your spouse, it could be a close friend, it could be a child. And of course you have to think of that child in terms of them developing, growing up, so that they are giving you a tribute about you. It could be, even if you haven't had the child yet, you still can have an idea of what you expect to hear from your child. And that helps you to further detect what your mission in life is. Because when you look at how you want the people close to you to perceive you, it tells you a lot about who you want to be as a person. So I'd like us to, you know, deeply engage in that exercise. And then we can now close habit two. Am I going? Okay, good. I'm going good for time. And we can now close habit two. So take out your apps. Go to the second practice card that says habit two. And then just spend one minute. Now this time we can spend one minute because we spent quite a bit of time figuring out the app before. But let's just spend one minute teaching somebody from the app. And then we go on to habit three. So take out the app. Look for your summary cards. Look for the card that says habit two, begin with the end in mind. Remember that when you're looking at the front of the card, on the top right, there is a rotation button. If you press that, you actually see the other side of the card. So it's both sides of the card that have the summary on it. Now that summary card, use it to teach the other people on your table. Take some time to familiarize yourself with the, further familiarize yourself with the app. And then we can go on to habit three. So I said one minute, so that's like 45 seconds remaining. So talk to somebody about the app, about habit two from the app. Remember that those summary cards are available for you after today, so you can continue to look at what you have gained from this engagement and continue to further develop it. And that's why we want you to have the app on your mobile devices. If you didn't get a chance to download it, make sure you do. You can talk to your colleagues about how to do that. So I'd say about 15 seconds left and then we can now focus on habit three. what you have learned helps to deepen the knowledge so do talk to somebody about it uh, even as you familiarize yourself with the app habit three we're going to still do another teach to learn at the end of habit three we'll do it after every habit so can we settle down into habit three so i'm excited by how much you're discussing it but now we have to move on to habit three and the app will always be there you can always engage with others you can even do this with your accountability partner 
What are the three P's? Sorry, I didn't hear the room. What are the three, please? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And habit three is the habit of. Habit three is the habit of personal management. Can you please tell me what is habit one? Be proactive. And habit one is the habit of personal responsibility. What's habit two, please? Begin with the end in mind. And habit two is the habit of personal vision. And now we're doing habit three, which is put first things first. And habit three is the habit of... And that is why we said habits one, two, and three make up the, pers the private victory. Because they all have to do with self-mastery. So now when you have now become more proactive in your approach from habit one and you have now adopted the habit of beginning with the end in mind and have a personal vision then you now have to now institute some personal management so you're more a proactive person your approach is different you, you now have a vision and a focus and then so there has to be management so that you can manage that journey now what are the principles of effectiveness associated with habit three Focus, integrity, discipline, and presentation. You know, we talked about them and we talked about the opposing principles much earlier on in the workshop. And what is the common paradigm? Do we recognize this common paradigm? Is this something that maybe we experience here at the college? I spend time on what is most no urgent. It's urgent. I wonder why you said that. Had I moved on already? Whoever said that? What's the highly effective paradigm? So the common paradigm is I spend time on what is most urgent. And the highly effective paradigm is I spend time on what is most important. Can somebody give me a difference between these two, urgent and important? I've already skipped the English teacher. So somebody else. Between urgent and important, there aren't any wrong answers. They just increase the insight. Urgent has to do with time, timeline. The important is something that is essential. Okay, yes, I agree. Urgent has to do with timeline, but important is... Something that is essential. Essential. I would even say essential to you. I would say essential to you. Because what you rate as important may not be the same as what the next person rates as. So as we're doing a workshop for the college, important may mean the same thing to a lot of you as relates to the correct college. But once you shift over to your personal lives, important for me is a name. 
if I call the name, it will mean nothing to most of you. And then you will have my wife's name, important, top of the list. And it may mean nothing to the rest of you. So important as relates to, to you. Yeah. So sorry, you said essential. So I'm saying essential as, and it is essential to me, you know, that I spend time with that particular name. So I like his answer. Anybody else with another answer? All right. Um, there could be so many urgent and pressing issues. So getting to do what's most important means you are setting your scale of preference. So in order to, to get what is important to you, you need to set your scale of preference because there could be so much, uh, so many pressing and urgent things you are expected to do. But then you need to set your scale of preference so as to choose the most uh, important Thank you very much for that contribution. It took me straight back to the principles of effectiveness associated with habit three. Now you have to have focus, integrity, discipline. You, you see how discipline can affect your, your scale of preference like you talked about. And you have to prioritize. Does anybody know how integrity might be you know, might help with that scale of preference. Because it, she said there can be so many urgent things. Now, in, in the face of a lot of urgent things, how does integrity now, how does it play? Math, there's somebody there who said that they, they, they were a math teacher. Maybe you're on that table there. You're the math teacher. What does the word mean? No, no, the math word is integer. That's the root word now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, numbers. That's doing numbers. What does it mean? Integer. We have the negative ones and the positive ones. No, but what is what is an integer? It's just numbers. It's just a value. Just. So that's the word I was looking for. They, they are. are they, are, they are values. No, she says whole. Whole numbers, yeah. Whole. That's why I said we could have whole. the negative and the positive. But that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, a whole number. Whole. Yes. Not fractured. No, no, not fractured. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. So, so because because integers are whole numbers, the word integrity, which comes from the root of integer, has to do with having a holistic view to what you're doing. So somebody who has integrity has a holistic view. Isn't fractured in their thinking. And that's what I wanted you to help me with. Okay. The word integer. Thank you. So I mean that that's how integrity feeds into you know that, that principle. So we say that the highly effective paradigm is to spend time on what's most important. Now what's the common practice? What's the common practice? Just like she said, there can be many urgent time things. So you spend most of your time managing A, crisis, and B, other people's agendas. And that's why I said essential to you, not essential to other people. Essential to you. Second common practice is try to do it all. Try to do it all. So this is a workshop where we're understanding something simple. You cannot do it all. Nobody who can do it all. And so you have to focus and prioritize. And then finally, and this can stem from what we talked about in habit two. You know, if you don't have a personal vision, if you don't develop a personal mission statement, you may not plan effectively, or you may not even plan at all. 
like, like I have a calendar for, I kept saying my calendar weekly. I'll explain that. We're going to get to that very soon. Are we there already? My calendar got so full that I was beginning to wonder that should I just stop planning? Because I was a bit, you know, a bit um, overwhelmed by how the calendar was looking. But you plan. Common practice, plan sporadically or not, not at all. Um, highly effective practice number one. So to counter the common practice, you, instead of spending time, most of your time managing crisis and other people's agenda, you focus on your highest priority. These are the practices we're taking from habit three. The second one would be, so I can't hear the room. Eliminate the, the unimportant. So first of all, you focus on your highest priorities. Remember we said earlier on that to be effective is to get your desired results. So you focus on your highest priorities, not on the highest priorities. And then you eliminate the unimportant. And then the third highly effective practice. So yes, I was right, we're there. You plan every week. And, and what I do is, because the promise is that by living the seven habits, and by the way, may I say that before I got to the point where I'm doing what I do, I was where you were. I sat down for a workshop like this. In fact, my workshop was a three-day workshop, you know, so it wasn't even the compressed one. We had three days, so we went through about two habits every day, over three days. And then after that, before I was able to certify and then now do what I do, that was a while back. So I also live the seven habits. I don't just facilitate them. And one of the things I do, which I find very beneficial, is plan every week. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, I'd like us to look at the video. After we look at the video, we'll do an exercise, and then we'll be rounding up habit three. We might even round it up before it's lunch time. If we do, then I'll give you a snippet of something else that we can, we can um, meet up with our time. So how do we consistently put first things first to create the results we want in work and life? It starts with understanding the return on your time and energy, represented by the time matrix. The matrix has two axes. The vertical one is importance. The horizontal one is urgency. Together, they form four quadrants. Quadrant one is for things that are both important and urgent. There are things we care about and that must be done now. This is where we find crises, emergency meetings, last minute deadlines, pressing problems, and unforeseen events. We call this the quadrant of necessity. Time spent here is necessary, but you usually get a return that's equal to or less than the time and energy you spend. If you live here for long, you will burn out. Quadrant three is for things that are urgent, but that are not important. These are things that come at us. They're things that we feel like we need to act on because they clamor for our attention. But when we take a closer look, they turn out to be unimportant, low-value activities. This is where we find a lot of needless interruptions, unnecessary reports, and irrelevant meetings. It contains other people's minor issues and is often filled with unimportant email, tasks, phone calls, and so forth. We call this the quadrant of distraction, and it always generates a return that is less than the time and energy you spend. If you spend a lot of time here, you are likely to feel very busy, but ultimately ineffective and unfulfilled. Quadrant 4 
is for things that are neither important nor urgent. We really shouldn't be here at all, but we often get so worn out spending time in quadrants one and three that we go here as a way to escape. This is a place where we shut off our brains and don't do anything of value. Here we find trivial work along with excessive television, gaming, internet surfing, gossip, and other time wasters. We call this the quadrant of waste. Time spent here is unnecessary and generates zero return. If you spend a lot of time here, you're likely to feel lethargic, ineffective, and unfulfilled. Quadrant 2 is for things that are important, but not urgent. These are things that really matter to the results, but that won't happen unless you act on them. It's the quadrant of effectiveness, because it's where you find the things that really make a difference and move you toward your mission, like proactive work, achieving important goals, creative thinking, planning and prevention, relationship building, learning and renewal, as well as true recreation. These things don't come at you. You have to decide to invest your time in quadrant two. Time spent here always generates a return far greater, often exponentially greater, than the time and energy you put into it. To be highly effective, you need to consistently prevent the crises that consume your time and energy in Quadrant 1, minimize the time you spend on the distractions of Quadrant 3, eliminate entirely the time you spend in Quadrant 4, and expand the amount of time you invest in Quadrant 2. Working and living in Quadrant 2 means that you're focused on the things that matter, that change the game, that have a significant impact on your results. It's a mindset that helps you determine which things are truly the first things that will generate significant value in your work and your life. for having three. So the time matrix helps us to focus on our highest priorities and eliminate the unimportance. After that, we're going to look at weekly planning tips and then we, you know, we've briefed on habit three. So any comments from the video? Do we appreciate what the video is describing to us in terms of the time matrix? to just a position between importance, what is importance and what is urgent. Urgent has to do with timeline. What, importance, what is important may not be urgent. So what is urgent must have a timeline. Submit this diary at 2 p.m. Now, and that 2 p.m. must be 2 p.m. That is a timeline. Meanwhile, it's not, it, I, we can't even look at that as urgent anyway. We, we have been given the timeline for long that every Friday you submit. But a situation whereby uh, maybe from the office of uh, quality assurance, maybe people coming from Labour State Ministry of uh, Education, without informing us, we just call on uh, the quality assurance in our school. We need your diary uh, on Wednesday. Meanwhile, we have already prepared our mind to submit at two by Friday. 
So we found out that on that Wednesday, it has become urgent. Just, uh, I think that is just the uh, Thank you. That's a very good insight. Anybody else with an insight from the video? Okay, thank you, sir. Everything is. I understand everything. But my concern is this. <laughs> my, yes, but. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry. My concern is this. The, the, four, the number four aspect. That it said yeah, the kill for that he said uh, at the end we should eliminate it completely. Does that mean we won't have time for recreation activities at all? No, no, it's not waste. Waste. Okay. No, so you said you said we will not have time for recreational activities. That's what you asked me. Now Q4 is the quadrant of waste, and we are trying to completely eliminate the quadrant of waste. What you asked about is in it's in Q2. Recreation helps you to be effective. It helps you to be effective. So for recreation, I play tennis. And you imagine how much it does for me in terms of benefits for health and all that sort of thing. It helps you to be effective. In fact, this evening, I think I'm going to be, I'm going to go and play some tennis because I'll be so tired that it helps my body to reset. Do you understand? That's not, now, now if I play, if I, if I leave this meeting at four and I'm on a tennis court for six and I play tennis till seven, that's recreation. If I play tennis till 10 p.m., what do you think that is? That's waste. That's waste. It's the same activity, but having been there so long, it has left recreation and entered waste. Classic example, you, when you close from school, when does school close? It closes at four. Normally, you're at home by averagely six o'clock. So, some people, it's all the way up to eight. May God help us. We live in a difficult city. It's true traffic comes down, it can be horrible. So at that 8 o'clock, because of how you've gone through the day, sometimes you just want to sit down in front of the TV and appreciate a program that you enjoy. I recently went to see my friend who lost his mom to comfort him. Then he, because we were, you know, as friends were talking, he showed me this program. I haven't seen it before. It's called Bob Hearts Abishola. Yeah, look, it's some phone noise. It's an interesting program. It's a comedy. And it was quite fun. And so we watched about 20, it's an American program about an American man that falls for this Nigerian medical practitioner. And it's very, very relatable because it has our culture in it. Now I watched it for about 30 minutes in its house. And that's, that's what you might do. You may sit down and watch that program. I think every episode about 20 something minutes. But it's a whole season. Season one is about maybe 20 episodes. I came home and sometime on the weekend, I watched half of season one. Recreation or waste? So if you sit down on the TV and you watch episode one of that show for 20 minutes, it relaxes you, you laugh, you unwind. If you watch that same thing up until half of season one, that's far more than two hours. That means you're not getting up until almost 11. You finish recreation and entered into waste. Same activity. Yes, I'm sure that clarifies. Please go on. 
Okay, um, from the video, I figured that it's best to focus more on quadrant two, as this helps you to um, deliver more effectively. Because you feel, you you agree with me that quadrant one, quadrant one, you may not be able to deliver as much as you should because there's too much of urgency and at the same time importance. But for quadrant two, you have a place of planning, so it's best to. Like really focus on two for um, effective delivery. So to be more highly effective, focus on quadrant two. But remember, the video advised us to reduce quadrant one. And you know why it says reduce? Because you can't totally eliminate urgency. Like the example you gave, if the Ministry of Education comes, and this can take you back to habit one focus on your circle of influence and ignore your circle of concern and you find that your influence grows and your concern diminishes because you are now planning ahead by the time those things come up the urgency is greatly reduced and your cycle of concern is more within your control so you can see how the tools interrelate and also how they help you to address the issues we were speaking about at the beginning of the workshop um, also, distraction, quadrant three. The video also recommended that you try and reduce that because you can't totally eliminate that either. Because urgency is things that are important, but distraction is needless interruptions, unnecessary reports, irrelevant meetings. Now, when we say unnecessary reports and irrelevant meetings, realize that sometimes the organization is calling a meeting you feel it's irrelevant you do but for some reason the organization decided to call that so there are two perspectives here in your perspective you know what you could do to optimize your time when you have strategy sessions when you're brainstorming when you're having synergistic meetings it's best to bring those up i don't feel we all have to be at if the unit heads and are at this meeting, I believe it frees the rest of us to do. Do you understand? So you become more highly effective as a school as well, because you are highlighting. And of course, if there's a reason why the organization feels you should all be in that meeting, then that can come out as well. And then that now feeds into how you yourself perceive your presence in that meeting. So you don't feel like it's a needless meeting or it's an interruption of your time. So with that interaction, we're going to talk about synergy in the second session when we're talking about the public victory and the second three habits. And you'll understand how to conduct synergistic engagements. But then you'll now be able to get out a result. Remember, the first three habits which we're running up now are habits that help you to achieve a private victory and self-mastery. But the second three habits are more interpersonal habits and how you deal with situations like the one we've just highlighted. So... Um, any other comments or questions? Any other comments or questions? Based on the video? Yes, okay, somebody over there. Okay. Um, is a comment actually? Yes, please. If we spend uh, more time on quadrant two, we we'll discover that automatically it shrinks Q3 and um, Q4 because you have enough spare time. Q, Q1. Sorry, Q3 and Q1. Thank you. 
Yeah, because you don't have so much spare time for um, other people's businesses, irrelevant gist. Okay, irrelevant discussion on importance in meal. And it also reduces Q1. So, can I, can I keep you on the mic and ask okay. you a question? Okay. Um, I, I like what you said. So, she said that if you focus on quadrant two, you know, that it will automatically reduce Q1 and Q3. Your job is always eliminate Q4. Yes. Yes. So, like we said, there's some things that are in Q, like internet, television, and gaming. These things, notice something, they are all under excessive relaxation. Do you understand? So it's not as if they are bad in a small quantity. They will be under recreation if they help you to renew. But being excessive, you know, becomes the issue. So my question for you, based on your comment, is how do you handle other people's minor issues if you stay in Q2? And, and don't, don't just jump ahead. Other people could be sitting next to you. And they could be your very good friend. Or they could be your sister is calling you up. And you know it's a minor issue, but staying in Q2, how does that help you address it? Okay, in Q2, you discover that there is um, a place for relationship building there. Yes. Okay, and recreation. Yes. So that is the time you have for other people's issues, like the major ones, the ones that are important, not um, other people's minor issues. If I get what these other people's minor issues mean, like um, things are not really important, is that it? Yes, it is. But remember yeah. that. So I'm saying that if if we focus on Kyoto, like there's a place for recreation, there's a place for relationship building where I can call my friend, check up on how, how are you doing. So thank you. That's a very good answer. So because you are proactive about your friendship. Yes. A lot of the minor issues that might come up when you call her up, you will deal with them. Yes, exactly. Now I'd like to add something. When you stay in Q2, there's planning as well as prevention. Yes. So sometimes you are planning your time. Yes. Now if your time is planned for something, she or your friend has to call you on the phone. So if you plan the time for something else, and because you're already proactive about your friendships, Okay, and then if I have a plan, probably like I have a to-do list, yes. and then a friend calls me, and this call is already going to like one hour, two hours, and what are we discussing? You have things that are trivial. And the way I would, I would do that politely and say, can I call you back? I need to attend to something quickly. Exactly. Thank you very much. I just wanted yeah. to bring that out. I thought somebody wanted to clap. I think it's okay. The idea that we were discussing is the idea of dis determining what your schedule is, and defending your own schedule and of course making time for your friend when you have time for your friend so can i call you back like you said is actually can i call you back at seven because you actually have a schedule and you know we'll talk about weekly planning very soon one of the principles there is that don't fill your whole day because then you can't offer the person seven o'clock do you understand Fill your day, sorry, put the things that are important where you should put them. Leave a lot of blank spaces. When things come up that are urgent at work, oh, we can deal with that in this time. Or if we have to deal with it at the moment, we can move something down to that time, something we planned. Just move it by short, so we leave spaces open. 
if something is in your personal life, you can say, oh no, I'll be free at 5.30. In fact, I'll be in the car, somebody else is driving. I can talk to you at that time. So you don't get, but that has to come from you having a plan and a schedule. There was a comment from the lady over there. Okay, you go to her after, okay. Yes. You have said what I wanted to say. I wanted to say, when we are making our plans, that we should plan for um, some things that will just pop up so that we can easily fit them in and it won't disrupt the plan for the day. I like the way you said it. But you know you can't plan for what will just pop up. Make space for. Because you don't know what's going to pop up. You can just make space. So when it pops up, then you just you accommodate it. But thank you. Well said. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about um, quadrant two. I, the way I see it is a little bit, I think like it's looking at the whole picture. It's something more holistic. I'm like looking at the end game. For instance, I'll take my time to maybe do courses online or try to develop myself because I have an end goal. Maybe I plan to change profession or go do something else. So I have an end goal. So I take my time to go to do that. Sometimes it could even be investments, things that take time. So you are looking at the end goal with the whole pictures. So when you have that in mind, somehow your life, you structure your life around that. And at times that you have to ask yourself that does this tally with my end goal in the way I'm going to. You know, so at the end of the day, it's really just being proactive and planning your future. So everything revolves around quadrant two. So it's definitely more effective than any of the other quadrants. Thank you very much for that contribution. Everything revolves around quadrant two. You want to add something? Let me bring the gentleman in white. So I, I hope it's painting a picture. There's an exercise that would have painted the picture more, but usually takes almost a half hour to do. Go on, go on, please. Oh, thank you, sir. I think I am just trying to become very careful uh, based on what we are looking at, comparing this with what we had the other time, I think, in quadrant two, where we are trying to look at, I think, one or two, where we are looking at um, some qualities, like where we are looking at um, rigidity, those things that will not actually allow us, the opposite of we are looking yeah, at. Yes, opposing principles. Yes, opposite. Yes, now, looking at the environment where we find ourselves, whereby we are in a school, and our motive is that all our students under our custody should actually do well. Mm -hmm. Now, we find out that some of our students, being children, when they come to you and you didn't give them attention, urgent attention, some of them feel somehow. And now you've made your schedule. You want to stay at Q2. Now, you have already planned yourself. Now, these children are coming. And we have already, we have a goal that all these children must actually, um, they, they should to an extent, at least, like, virtually everyone should be carried along. Of course, we have some that are weak. And we have some that are very strong. So, we must carry both the weak and strong along. So for here, where we have, you have to go for personalized teaching, you have to do this and that. How do we structure a balance so that you will not become a rigid person and um, you will not at the same time be biased? Because in the course of doing this, your time frame can actually favor some, while at the same time your time frame will not favor some. And some could actually be a victim that as if 
over and over. The time they will be coming to you will be the time that is falling within your own queue too. And you don't want to give attention. The arteries actually strike a balance in such situation. Thank you. Thank you for that very, very good question. I, I would like to ask and crave your indulgence to answer your question when we're talking about weekly planning, which is the next thing we're going to talk about. Because sometimes, as participants, you seem to be looking into the training material and looking ahead. And I'm really, so it shows how much you're following. So could we wait until we get to weekly planning? Because that will give you a lot of the tools that answer your question. Thank you, sir. So um, let's see, are, are, we, are we still asking questions about this? You want to add a thought? Yes, go on. Someone said uh, on that side that you can reschedule. So I'm also thinking that apart from rescheduling your meeting with whoever it is that needs your attention, I mean as per Q3, you can also delegate duties. For example, the other people's minor issues, unimportant email, you can delegate it. Someone can actually do some of these things for you. I mean, it's also a way out of Q3. So, um, let's, let's take that suggestion on board. Now, today, today is, um, today is like a facilitation workshop day. So I'm unavailable, like my phone is going to be on silent, on silent now from seven or eight, all the way up to when we finish after four o'clock. And then I catch up on who called me, whatever. My phone is just on silent and I can't, you know, afford to look at it. So just like you said, you can decide what you already know is coming at you and then you can delegate that because you know you're going to be unavailable anyway so you can delegate if you have like a colleague an associate i can delegate some things to my wife knowing that oh this will happen in my personal life and this is what you need to be aware of so she's going to proactively get in touch with the person since it's my phone that would normally be ringing you know and, and that comes from a place like we had said I think the lady at the end said that that it comes from a place of planning because I've already sat down to plan my day and indeed my week I already have an idea of what might come up and what I need to delegate between 7 and 4 do you understand? so if you plan properly yes, you're very correct you can deal with distractions and minimize them you can deal with uh, necessities minimize them and of course, if you stay disciplined and focused, you can you can eliminate waste to a massive degree. Um, yes. So I'd like to go on to the next slide. There's an exercise, like I said. This exercise is on page 38. It will drive home the learning, but it's an exercise for another time. It's quite a lengthy exercise. If you ever want to do anything from here in your staff meetings. Let's do 38. If you need any clarity on it, I will leave my number and you can have your admin person or your HR person get in touch. And I'll be very happy to walk you through 38. 38 will give you a very good insight on how the time quadrant works, works and how it impacts your organization and your personal lives just by doing this exercise, answering these three questions on that team on this t-chart um, so now I want to give you a tool so if you find yourself in a particular quadrant 
No, actually, what you want to do is you want to use this to identify what quadrant you are in. It's called the QC, the quadrant self-check. This quadrant self-check. It's a series of questions that are on page 39 of your participant guide, so there's no need to copy them out. What you might want to do is you can create, you know the size of a business card, find one that has a back that is empty and write down these four questions. Put it in your pocket and it will help with your time management. Every once in a while, just take it out and ask yourself, which quadrant am I in right now? Is this urgent? Is it effective? Is it necessity? Is it waste? Now ask yourself, why am I here? Then go on to ask yourself, how long have I been? Because remember when I said that even if you are got Q2 relaxation, 20 minutes is relaxation, you can't claim that three hours of watching series is still relaxation. Because by the time you watch it till midnight, you're going to wake up tired. And so you're not highly effective anymore. Um, and then what are the consequences of staying here? Like I said, a late night of watching the series means a tired next day. You are not effective because you are slow. You might have to drink coffee to try and catch up. So if you put the QC around somewhere in your pocket, you'll find that it, it, it will help you with your time management. The other thing that will help you, apart from focusing on your highest priorities and eliminating the unimportant, which is what the time matrix helps you to recognize, is... Um, so this in 40 is also something you have to do. When you're doing 38, page 40, you'll find that they work together. Identify ways to reduce eliminate, or eliminate chronic Q3 activities in your, your school. And Q3 is what? Distraction. Chronic are things that come up in your school that you find that distract you. And that's why when we had the conversation about meetings that are irrelevant to you, in your strategy or planning sessions, try and address it so you can reduce the distraction and become more highly effective. Um, and so I want to go on to weekly planning. Can somebody read this slide for me? If you were to ask me what single practice will do more to balance your life and increase your productivity than any other, it will be this. Plan your week each week before the week begins. There's three things there that are very important to me. And this is Dr. Stephen Alcock, it's from the book as well. But he says of the whole seven habits and all the practices, you know each of the habits has two, three practices? But he says if you want to take one single practice that will do the most to balance your life and increase your productivity. And if you ask him, the author of the book, which one, he will say is this. Practice three from habit three. And that is plan your week each week before the week begins. So for me, there's three elements in that. One is plan your week. But plan it each week. So you don't have a weekly plan. You know how you have a weekly timetable. Copy-paste, copy-paste. No, plan your week each week and do it before the week begins. Because if you start trying to plan your week on a Monday afternoon, you're already in the thick of thin things. You're already in the middle of urgency, importance, distraction, everything is hitting you at once. So before it starts, now here are some tips on planning your week. When? 
before the week starts. Where? Somewhere quiet. Except you're that rare individual who thrives on noise. There are some rare individuals, but mostly somewhere quiet. B, how, uh, finally, how long? For 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Now, as you start to plan your week each week, it becomes so much easier that the time frame is shorter because you already do it, it's habitual. So picking up is easy. And some things become standard, like your lesson schedule, your personal issues. And here's the trick I was trying to teach you earlier on, and it answers some of your questions. When you have blank spots of time, somebody has said it earlier on, don't fill them with things. Go back to who and what matters to you. Remember your desired results, what is important to you. And then if it is, you have 20 students in your class, plus or minus, and you know who is lagging behind. This week, on Monday, I've only got 20 minutes spare. You have five names. Put one of them in a 10 minute slot. You know you have 20 students, but 15 are okay. So they're not your high focus, they're not your priority for now. So in terms of building relationship, you are actually going to put a name, Temilade, 10 minutes. And you're going to work on that person's mindset, their esteem. If you have 30 minutes somewhere else, maybe they'll take a personal lesson at that time. Then another day, you put another name. You're focusing on your three-week students this week. Focus on another three next week. Because remember, we're planning long-term. You're not going to solve all your problems in one day of planning. So next week, you are focusing on another set of students. The week after, you're not bothering with the ones who are strong because you realize that that's not your focus. And then you know proactively, but you put them on your schedule. If you and your wife are having a conversation, you know it's not working, put it on Thursday evening at 8 o'clock. Don't take a call. Don't do anything. The rest of Thursday is free. But that 8 o'clock, and you say, my dear, I'd like you to be around at 8 o'clock. And you sit down and you discuss it through. Same thing with your husband, but you schedule that. The rest of the time is free. If your sister wants to talk to you, she calls at a different time, please go ahead. If you have a business meeting with your, the person who you do business with, please go ahead. But the times you choose, so you have blocks of time for the things that matter to you. Those ones are immovable. Engage time to talk to your children if that's important to you. Now, I don't mean your school children. I mean even your child. Just 15 minutes one day in the week maybe the difference and it's not all your children maybe just this one child 15 minutes and you put it there as well so then you you get your calendar filled with the things that matter and then the rest of the blank time just let it happen the way it will and then you repeat every week follow up based on what's important to you your roles what's important now as we close this sorry let me let you ask questions before i close because after we close we're going straight to lunch so are there any questions about this does it kind of address what we were talking about it does yes so weekly planning can be a tool. Um, any other questions? Because if there are none, I want us to just use the practice cards and it's lunchtime. Um, any other questions? Now remember, Dr. Covey says weekly planning is the single most... What's th there's somebody with a question? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. So we're about to get up and um, Dr. Covey says that weekly planning is the single most effective practice that he can recommend. So let's get into the habits of weekly planning. Let's take your calendar, add a few blocks of the things that are important, and then allow things to work out. You'll get better at it as you do it. So finally, as we close habit two, I want you to take a look at your practice cards 
discuss it on the table, and then we will break for lunch for the next 40 minutes, 42. So we can come back at 2.45, 2.45. So please, I would like it if you are sitting down by 2.44 so that we can just take off. We did very well. We are able to cover all our subject matter, and we will do the same with the next session as long as we come back on time. So just spend a minute discussing, open your app, take a look at habit three, the summary card, and then discuss that around your table, and then let's break for lunch in the next one or two minutes. So if you're not familiar with the app, you need to ask questions. I will walk around. Clinton is walking around as well. He's over there in the blue jacket wave. So you can ask if you need help with your app. But once you have had the discussion, before five minutes pass, please break for lunch and we'll come back at 2.45. And thank you very much for this session also. So once you've taken a look at your practice card, you've discussed it around the table. Sorry, who's going to who's going to conduct us through the launch process? Is she the so yeah, so does she need to come and let them know? So you might want to let So once they come and explain how they're conducting the lunch, please feel free to get your lunch. Thank you very much. We will come back at everyone. Uh, it's time for our lunch. We'll be going table by table to the seven desk. So our food will be sat there. So we'll be cleaning up table by table. <laughs>